And on the Friday night, uh, we played Paris Saint-Germain at home, live on the TV. I scored a goal away. Uh, the ball came in, I beat the offside trap, I chested it, I flicked it over the goalkeeper, and I back it into the net. And from that moment, that Friday night, especially against Paris Saint-Germain, who were the big rivals of Marseille, my career as a Marseille player arrived. I grew up supporting Marseille. What he was doing in Marseille uh, with that team, uh, stuff that I've never seen before. He could dribble past someone without touching the ball. In Marseille, he's just a king, a legend, and god, however you want to call it. Half the floodlights have gone out. Absolute chaos at the finish of the contest. Waddle doesn't need light for inspiration. What a Hello everybody, welcome to the Teams of Our Lives with myself and Andy Brassel. Andy, how are you? I'm well. Breaks my heart when you don't sing the title, but um, apart from that, I'm good. Well, I could give it a go if you want yourself. <laughs> it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be as good, many people would argue. <laughs> I'm not one of them. Andy, today we're taking, we've got quite a task ahead of us today because we're talking about Olympic Day Marseille between 1989 and 1993. Titles, great players, and wicked whispers, to put it politely. <laughs> the most successful period in the club's history, Andy. Yeah, uh, I like the way you said titles and uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I have to work within the framework of the law. Uh, yes, I, I, I'm aware of that. And I'm sure... Their president, Bernard Tappy, from that time, would agree with you. Um, it's a very appropriate name, Tappy. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, the, the whole story of this incredible Marseille side starts when um, he takes over the club in, in, in uh, 1986. And then um, it's, it's been a long time since they've won a title. They've not won the title since 1972 before that. Mm. Um, but he's got a grand plan a grand project and he's a really charismatic bloke as well so some of the questionable ones are aren't they but i think it's interesting you know often um when we're trying to contextualize marseille in a, a british context or an english context we mm. often use newcastle united not in terms of the piles of trophies obviously um <laughs> but in terms of the fervor in terms of the fact that the city is the football club the, the two are absolutely inseparable. And um, that's why, I, I, don't, I don't know, one of my favourite UEFA Cup semis ever is that semi in 2004 between Marseille and Newcastle. It's just absolutely brilliant, particularly that second leg, even if it didn't go as um, Sir Bob and co wanted. But I think the rival of Tappy at uh, uh, OM is a little bit like Sir John Hall arriving at Newcastle because their club slagged off all the local women. Uh, yeah. No, that, that was Freddie Shepherd. That wasn't oh, Sir John sorry. Hall. Forgive me, Sir John. <laughs> but I think the idea that you can, someone charismatic can take a club with enormous potential, with a deep well of passion and kind of repurpose it 
in a way that really unleashes that passion and connects with a really great time for the for the football club. I, th- I think there are there are, there are some parallels there. Mm. I think there are, but then obviously the parallels do fall down when you start mentioning the trophies, as you said at the start <laughs> of that. Uh, and in 1989, they won the league, defending their crown from the previous season. They're firmly the best side in France. They reached the semis of the French Cup and the semis of the European Cup as well. They went out on away goals to Benfica in that semi-final. So they're getting uh, notoriety on the big stage. And that season, Tappy brought in a number of players, including Enzo Francescoli, who Zenedine Zidane loved. That's his, his son is named after him. He is. Jean Tigana, who we know is a great player. Alan Roche, forgive pronunciation. Uh, Manuel Amaros, you know, seasoned pros, uh, uh, internationals. And Magic Chris, Chrissy Waddle for £4.5 million, which was a huge fee back in those days. So Tappy meant business. They, As I say, they were already the champions. This was really an onslaught into becoming European champions. Yeah, I... Th- I'm pretty sure that Chris mm. Waddle was the third most expensive player in history at the time. It was he was definitely in the top ten. Uh, was, I think it was, it was, it was equaled, he either equaled or it was a British record transfer fee for for a British player. Yeah, and um, as as you say, the the team was something. Then I mean, you, you look at the team that that played in that um, in in that '91 European Cup final against uh, Trevenis Vesda, Red Star, that, that we'll come to. Um, as you say, Amaros, Demeco, Basil Boli, uh, Waddle, uh, Jean-Pierre Papin, uh, Abbe Di Pelle, of course. Mm. Um, it was it was absolutely fantastic. Um, but I think the point you made about the, the Benfica game in the 1990 semi-final, that's very, very important. Not just because it's the start of this Grand OM, but also because that did something to Tappy. Now, the first leg at the Velodrome, Marseille were great. They absolutely battered Benfica and somehow only beat them 2-1. But anyway, they went to Lisbon um, with an advantage. This was the, the old Estadio de Luz. So it was enormous. You had 100,000, more than 100,000 yeah. people in there for that second leg. 10 minutes to go, it's still nil-nil, and Marseille are going through. Um, now, Benfica get corner. Corner comes in. Uh, Magnussen flicks it on at the front post. And uh, Vata, who, um, Angolan striker, who uh, was already um, well-established there, but Svenis didn't really want him in the 11 for a lot of that team at that Svenja time. Eriksson's Benfica. We're talking about people. Yeah, we are. Um Vata was was on at this point. Magnuson flicks it on. Vata puts it in at the back post, and all the Marseille the place goes nuts, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's all hundred thousand Benfica fans. Um, but straight away, the Marseille players know something's up. And then, of course, football is televised in a very very different way. Then, and so three grainy replays down the line, the French commentators start going. He used his hand. He used his hand, and he did. Mm. Magnuson flicked it on at the front post, and Vata uh, put it in with his forearm. Now he always claimed afterwards, Vata, that it was it was my shoulder. Um, that's clearly not something that you could get away with in modern football, and not only because of VAR, mm. just because the pictures are a bit sharper, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, 
But after that, Tappy went into an absolute rage. And he said, right, well, look, I know how you win a European Cup now. Yeah, at not, all costs. Not, not how you play to win a European Cup, but how you win a European Cup. I think the choice of words is really interesting as well. Okay. And um, then, of course, that sense of injustice was kind of hardened by uh, the, the game in Bari. And it's it's incredible to think that there was, there was a European Cup final in Bari mm. um, the, the, the following spring when Marseille, who were well-established as one of the most exciting sides in, in Europe at this point. Mm. Um, Red Star had their own exciting route to the the final. That and, Red you know, Star team was ridiculous. It was really good. If you and, look at the players they have, I mean, it, it, yeah. it, Prozinec, Prozinecki, um, Mihailovic, uh, just you name them, they're there. Dejan Savicevic, he yeah. was in it as well. Fantastic now, side. They're, they're amazing. And when you look at those two teams that line up it should have been the best european cup final ever and it was the worst it was well, terrible I can, I can vividly remember watching this cup final and again you know in same 1990-91 marseille win the title again they're firmly the best side of france as you say they've got all these players but that european cup final i remember thinking that marseille were the best team in the world i mean i was about eight or nine or whatever yeah. I was at the time just thinking wow these are incredible red star i didn't know them as well just because of my age and the media then and so on and so forth. Obviously knew Chris Waddle very well. And the way the game played was that Red Star, who were meant to have this brilliant attacking side and, and could counter-attack and score goals from everywhere on the pitch, just dug in. They dug a big old trench from the exactly. first minute. Exactly. And it was so strange. Mm. And it, and it still baffles me, and there are various theories and thoughts about this, which we won't go into, but they for they defended. They played for penalties straight from the off, really. You could it felt, argue. It felt, it felt, it felt, like, it felt that. like that. You can't say yeah. that, obviously, 100% certain, of course, but it felt like that, and it felt very strange. And watching the game, as it went on, you think, well, in my, in my childlike head, I thought to myself, oh, Marseille are so good, they've got them pinned back, and they're just going to score. And as it would turn out, you know, Marseille would lose on penalties and Red Star would be crowned champions. And it was a very, very strange feeling watching that game because, again, I think I would still feel strange as an adult watching that. But at the time, you yeah. thought, well, the way the game's sort of going, that Marseille side, how on earth did they not win? Yeah, that's it. And even with um, Red Star just sitting in, as, as, as you say, Marcus, I don't think that is a childish thing. I think you're ahead of your time as, a, as, a, as an eight or nine-year-old, actually. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Be because there were so many players who could make the difference. I mean, obviously, we think of uh, Papin to finish the chances off, but then mm. you look at Waddle, you look at Abedi Pele, you look at the fact that um, in, in extra time, they're able to bring Dragan Stojkovic off the bench. Yeah, you for know. a former Red Star player, of course. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, they had uh, Jean Tigana in, in reserve as well. I mean, this was an astonishing Marseille side already. As, as you say, they'd already won the title. Um, but the expectation around Marseille was absolutely massive by this point. Mm. Um, I think that they were the best side in club football. And I think there was a, a, an understanding of that. But of course, the pressure in Marseille in particular, you don't have to, you can't just be a great player to succeed in Marseille and especially a Marseille at this level. You have to have 
nerves of steel as well. Now, remember, in 1990, West Germany win the World Cup, right? Mm. Afterwards, uh, Franz Beckenbauer uh, leaves as 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 coach in triumph um at, at the time what the, the the second player to win the world cup as, as as player and as as head coach as well and um he he's very well thought of very well loved by his west german players gets a lovely send off at the uh post-match booze up they give him a, a coffee service <laughs> to say well done friends and yeah. thanks for your efforts and then he goes and takes on the Marseille job and it's very very short-lived and possibly is the point where Franz Beckenbauer thinks nah fuck this I'm, I'm not up for, for for managing at club level because it's just too intense um because to go from a job where I, I mean in, in a way West West Germany and Marseille at the time are, are kind of comparable because you have a load of big stars who have a strong power of attorney you can leave them to get on with it or all the rest of it but culturally the difference between getting together now and then mm. in international football even in those days and the 24 7 intensity of marseille as a city and as a club and you add that expectation of the sense that they're the best team in the world with an extraordinary amount of money spent on the team um they're expected to to play, to win, to attack, to score goals, all that sort of stuff. And like the first loss under Beckenbauer, it shook them and it shook him. Mm-hmm. And he was he was gone. And they they brought in uh they they brought back Raymond Gertels to um to look after the team. And he, he was he was the one who uh, led them to the to, to the cup final in, in in Bari. So there's a lot that's gone on already that season i think what happened to beckenbauer is quite a good window into just how intense the expect and how how strong the the expectation was around this team Mm. Uh, yeah i and i it's so funny thinking of franz beckenbauer managing marseille because i just think of him as west germany or germany i forget the crossover west germany manager uh Mm. and then obviously um you know, as a as a as a as a FIFA man, shall we say, and and, and one or two things uh, as well. Um, Marseille again; they won the league in ninety one, ninety two. You know, they were on a roll. They, mm. You know, we see this with teams. We see that now with teams. You know, when they just are, they're just winning the titles. They went out in the second round of, of the European Cup to, to Sparta Prague on away goals, and I believe that which was, was Chris, far more possible then. Which was far more. Oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah, you think of you know we record this in the week when uh, the Super League seems to have been fended off for another another year, hopefully forever, but mm. that's f- perhaps fanciful thinking. So when you talk about Marseille getting to the Champions League final against Red Star Belgrade, you know, we remember this was the norm really back then for, for these kind of sides. But Andy, that I believe was Chris Waddle's last season for yeah. this Marseille side. He's called Magic Chris down there for a reason. And he was voted second only behind the great Jean-Pierre Papin for um, the best player of the 20th century at Marseille. Some football fans in this country are aware, some are not aware what Chris Waddle means to the people of Marseille and still means to the people of Marseille. People still absolutely love him. Um, I, I mean, I, there's there's no foreign player, I think, in the, in the history of Marseille that's touched people like that. Mm. Um, the, the, and and no, Rudy Voller played there, Andy. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not including Didier Drogba because even though he was um, 
uh, an Ivory Coast international, of course. He was brought up in France from the, mm-hmm. from, from the age of five. Um, but but yeah, I think it, it, he was he was something who he was someone who totally clicked with the velodrome. They loved him and he loved them. And I remember the first game I went to at Marseille, which was probably 2003, maybe. Mm-hmm. I remember looking at the club shop and they had the mannequins out front and as well as one wearing the home strip and the away strip, mm-hmm. they had one in the middle who was wearing a yellow T-shirt, which had a picture of mulleted Chris Waddle on it. And it simply said, Waddle Attitude. <laughs> it's one of my biggest regrets not buying that uh, yeah i mean but is there um i mean there's no comparison of course with diego maradona and napoli to compare elsewhere but with waddle is there like, a, like maybe just a hint of that in that he represents a very very successful the club's most successful period and he was one of the stars of the team. He was a foreign star as well at a time when you didn't have many foreign stars. And it is mm. a period, as I say, that the fans of the club will remember fondly because then he left before the scandal that we're going to come on to in, in just a moment. Well, he also left before the trophy. I mean, I, I kind of feel uh-huh. it's, it's heartbreaking, really, that someone who contributed so much to such a brilliant period for, for Marseille didn't get the the Champions League winner medal that he deserved really yeah. for, for 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 what he put in in that time, but I think the fact that he was daring that he put on a show that was what really appealed to Marseille fans, and that's something that still appeals to Marseille mm-hmm. fans. You think about the way that they took Bielsa to their hearts. It's yeah. not just about the success; it's about the manner. It's about understanding their passion for the game, and that was something that Waddle did totally. The, the other thing we have to say about this team, and you know, you mentioned um, how it's kind of like football now, um, in that you know they they went on to win five in a row, or they would have won five in a row if the mm-hmm. nineteen ninety three title hadn't been stripped from them, which would have been a French record at, at at the time. Maybe we're a little bit more used to teams winning, especially the, the teams in the biggest leagues in Europe, winning four or five in a row at the moment. Uh, this was totally unprecedented then. And mm. uh, even though a load of money was poured in, it all had to click together. They had incredible playing resources. No one's doubting that. But, mm. you know, I, I remember talking to a, a a few people around the club like about 15, 16 years ago about, about this when they were making their way back into the Champions League after a long mm. absence. And they were saying, firstly, what an incredible connection that, um, Marseille as a city has with with the Champions League as well, and, and the European Cup as we'll come to in a minute. But also, um, I, I'm trying to think who said it to me. But one one of the ex players said to me, um, "When you're playing for Marseille, you're playing for all of France." Now mm. th- that's not the same thing nowadays because, of course, a you have Paris Saint Germain and b Marseille are getting nowhere near Champions League finals. But back then. Just like Saint Etienne before them, who had their own scandals, that team of that Saint Etienne team of the the late seventies and early eighties, um, which ended up in court too. To to capture the French imagination, not just the imagination of this football mad city, but the imagination of the whole country, is something pretty extraordinary. 
because I think traditionally we don't really think of France really as a football hotbed. We don't certainly mm-hmm. think of, of it as a hotbed of, of, of football passion, um, not compared to, say, Spain or, or Italy or somewhere like that. And really, the two teams that really changed that for the French, before certainly before the World Cup in 98, are the late 70s Saint-Étienne and the late 80s, early 90s Marseille. Mm. Two flawed sides, though, as you say, and that we'll get on to that now because we come to the uh, we'll finish with the 92 93 season, where of course they won the league, they would later be stripped of that title, but they won the European Cup, becoming the first and so far only French side to do so. This is recorded, um, in case before uh, the, the semi final with PSG and all the rest <laughs> of it now, uh, just in case you're, you're listening back to this, um, yeah, so I, I mean, it was, it was, um. Uh, it, it, it was the the, cha- the 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 European Cup really that, that caught the attention mm. there because as I say they won the league and we we were were, were well versed in that um, with with PSG winning the league. But I remember their run to the final very very well because in those days it was a very strange. You know we talk about the European well, mm. the Champions League now being the, the format being messed around with and so on. Well, this one was very interesting for those who don't know. The semi-finals actually were contested with eight teams. There was two groups of four, and the top two, um, sorry, the, the 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 first place of each group goes through to the final. There was none mm. of this semi-finals then final. The semi-finals were the two groups, and Rangers were in with. Marseille, they were in with Club Bruges and CSKA Moscow. And Rangers had a great team there. They'd often failed in Europe mm. and they would subsequently fail quite regularly in Europe after that. Mm. But this season was the, the time when a lot of people in Scotland, other than Celtic fans, probably, and maybe some hit, well, there maybe there was a few, but, but certainly a number of people in Scotland, a lot of neutrals as well, were quite keen to see how Rangers would get on. And they played Marseille. Um, I think it was the opening game of the group, or certainly the uh, Rangers' first game. And Marseille went 2 0 up. And it was like, blimey, we're not used to seeing this. Now, Rangers did come back and draw two all in that yes, game. Yes, I remember that uh, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, though, it was like, bloody hell, this is Marseille. This is mm. how, say, Real Madrid have been viewed in recent yeah. Champions Leagues and maybe a couple of years ago, Barcelona as well. And, Barca- uh, and Marseille, they, of course, reached the final. Uh, and we saw Ali McCoy crying on the pitch and Rangers last uh, their final game in the tournament. It was all very, very sad. But Marseille won it and they 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 were unbeaten in that group. And there were a few sort of rumblings and, again, suggestions. And I'll just leave that there because if you look at all the results in that group, it's all pretty close. There's a lot of draws. There's a few 1-0s. Admittedly, Marseille beat Club Rouge 3-0 early on. Mm. But Marseille beat CSK Moscow 6-0 in that group. It kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, and and some people were, were uh, stroked their chins at this, shall we say. But they went through and they were a better side than Rangers. Yeah, and I do think, you know, hindsight is, is a wonderful thing. When we yeah. know about the... Glassman scandal, which we'll come to in a minute, mm-hmm. that inevitably puts the, the the Champions League win in in a different light as well. Um, yes, I, I, I totally understand that. Um, but yes, I mean it was it was it was really strange that season actually because of course it was the first season in the Champions League ninety two ninety three. It I, was the Champions I, League. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember being slightly 
older than you thinking at the time. Mm-hmm. So kind of wildly prophetic. This is the first step towards the Champions League, actually, <laughs> because of because of the reformatting. And mm. um, it, 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 was, it was a bit clunky to me at, at the beginning. But we did get a final worthy of the tournament, I think, in um, Marseille and, and Milan. Obviously, so were Milan the two had, huge sides then. Yeah, and Milan had, had enormous success yeah. Um, in in the in the Champions League, um, go, going it going um in the, in the previous years before, and um, as I said, like maybe this should have been the the final in in nineteen ninety as, as as well, because um, obviously Sven's boys ended up facing off in Vienna with with mm-hmm. Milan and. Had it not been for Vata's hand, it, it should have been Marseille, and yeah. um, and Chris Waddle would have been there. But um, Marseille gave such a good performance in this in this mm. final. Now, again, we'll talk about the perspective afterwards. But I think, given that Milan were the favourites, and they were the favourites, despite the fact because of that recent history in the Champions League, despite the fact that Marseille were was still excellent, they'd lost some players. By then, Waddle, Papin, who was playing mm-hmm. for, for for Milan in this final, and what a twist yeah. that was, of course. Um, so, what the the front three in that team would have been: Rudy Fuller, your pal Alan Boxic, yeah. and um, Abedi Pele, who mm. was still you know, one of the greatest. Um, he was absolutely fantastic. Well, but a, just a, the, a, the the backbone of that team was something else. When you look at yeah. Deschamps. Desai, who'd come out yeah. of the Nantes Academy. Um, Big Frank Swazi. Uh, uh, Soze. Well, I know you don't Soze. really... Uh, 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 you've changed his name to Swayze because you don't want to acknowledge Sorry. him as a hippie, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that, actually. <laughs> I mean, what, uh-huh. a, what, what a player he was as well in his yeah, second yeah, yeah, spell yeah. at the club, having been um, part, of, part of Marseille and part of their successes earlier. To have that level, I think, of... Um, physical rigor um, and control on the ball when they did have it um, was was something that was really important. And of course, it was Basil Bowley who ended yep. up coming with, coming up with a goal from the corner that that um, yeah, yeah, that yeah. header from the corner. But I think it's interesting when you look back on that and you think the fact that um, Barthez at the time was the youngest goalkeeper to win the Champions League. He was twenty two. Yeah, um, mad, yeah. I know it's amazing to think he was ever 22 and um, <laughs> you think uh, Didier Deschamps was the youngest Champions League winning captain I think he was mm-hmm. 24 going on 25 um, so there was something a little bit different something a little bit fresher about this side compared to the 1991 side when it appeared all or nothing and maybe mm-hmm. they were maybe it, it, it's such an experienced group in a way but kind of held back by their anxiety and their sense of mm-hmm. how enormous the occasion was. But whereas the way that Marseille managed this final against like one of the great European teams. Who, who so, won certainly, all six of their games in that yeah. semi-final group. Won all six. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really something. Yeah. So, Andy, we, we, we've sort of talked about the scandal and uh, the title being stripped. Let's, let's finish on that, Lynn. Um, so save the best for last. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 there's there's quite a bit to this. Um, so we'll sort of be quick. But it's believed that Tappy they, they and Marseille they bribed um, Valenciennes um, so that Marseille would win the French league earlier. 
so that their players were fresher and therefore one less likely to pick up injuries um, before the final against Milan, of course, because that, that was the big one. That that's as I understand it. Is that am I on the right? Yeah, lines it, it yeah. was it was go easy, don't crock them, basically. Um, yes. So Marseille in that game against Valenciennes, which was uh, days before the final, but Valenciennes uh, were relegated that season. Yeah, they were, um, but it was, it was it was an away game up north, and um, you know that they knew exactly how big the the, the Champions League final was. Mm. So. Um, you know, this wasn't the day of days of huge squads and mass rotation either. No, I'm surprised though that Valenciennes engaged with that as they were relegated, and only just. Well, yeah, I mean, they they blew the whistle as well, didn't they? Because well, what what happened is um, Jacques Glassman, the Valenciennes defender, was approached by um, Jean-Jacques Edeli. Um, who was the go-between, the Marseille player between uh, the board and the Valenciennes team. Uh, Jorge Budishaga was one of the Valenciennes players who was approached as well. And they were offered money to go easy on Marseille, basically. So mm. if you look at that game, Marseille score early on, uh, win 1-0, that's that. And what happens is post the excitement of the European Cup final, which... And obviously, Marseille bringing back the Champions League is what they wanted for so long. It was mm. um, treated like the, the the second coming in a football mad city. Um, the, the the Glassman scandal um, comes to the fore. Um, there are bans and suspensions for individual players, including Budishaga, mm-hmm. and. Marseille are stripped of their 1993 title, which would have been their record because by the time the stories come out, Marseille have brought the cup home. They beat PSG 3-1, their deadly rivals in the last game of the season. Everything's good. It's perfect title party. Then the Glassman scandal comes out. Um, Marseille are stripped of the title. They're relegated as well, which is... Well, good news for Tony Cascarino, but probably no one else. <laughs> and um, it takes them a long, long time to to get back. And and Bernard Tappy, of course, who we started the the show talking about, um, was given a, a two year prison sentence, one suspended and mm-hmm. banned from um, having public office for a while. And oh, three years, I think, three years he was banned from having public office. And anyway, it was it was the end of his football career. Yeah. Um, I think that there's there's been desires at certain points to bring him back to Marseille despite everything that happened because his charisma was something else as well as being asked to, you know, as, as well as bringing this brilliant team together is the way he had this drive to make Marseille great again, that he had this drive to get them to the European Cup slash Champions League title eventually and to become the first French team to win that all of that was so important and he, he left a hole he left a hole in a way like Jurgen Klopp work, walking away from Dortmund you know you could get someone of similar competent competencies arguably but could you get someone with that sort of soul with that kind of fire and you know the answer was no it is so strange when you go back and look through the French um, history books and, you know, it'll say 
1990, champions, Marseille. 91, Marseille. 92, Marseille. 93, no champion or not awarded. Mm. And that is such a jarring thing to read. And it's also a really sad epitaph for what was a fantastic team that gave so many people so much pleasure. Mm -hmm. And it has tarnished their Champions League win slightly. It certainly did in Scotland at the time with a lot of fans, as you'd expect. Yeah. And because I... I, I knew I, I, at the time I remember thinking, are they going to be stripped of the European Cup? Mm. But they weren't in the end. But it is a great shame because it was a brilliant side. Um, but to be honest with you, the way I look at that side, I think yeah, brilliant side, but tarnished for me. Um, but Chrissy Waddle got out at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Andy, it's been a pleasure talking to you about this one. Uh, slightly longer episode but that's because there was so much to talk I mean there's so much more you could have we, you know you could have said about this side um, we'd have been mm. here for hours but uh, but yeah thank you Andy uh, for talking uh, for, for, for this week's episode of Teams of Our Lives um, because uh, if anyone is unaware of this piece of um, footballing history they certainly are now pleasure everybody thank you Andy thank you see you next week This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.